0: Know Your Food with Warty, episode 135. For links and more, I'll see you at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 135. See you there. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at gnaufglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey everyone, welcome to know your food with warty i am so happy you're joining me today if you've been with me for a while welcome back if you're newly listening welcome i'm so glad you're joining me i sure look forward to this every week getting together with you either having a guest or talking through some traditional cooking tips Um, It's just really fun, and I sure look forward to it. I want to give a shout-out to Vicki, who sent in an email this week. Vicki is from mompreneurcommunity.com, and she said, and this just made my day, she said, I wanted to send you a quick note to say thank you for being in my earbuds while I do the laundry and wash dishes. Your podcasts have been a huge blessing to me and my family. While we may not do everything I'd like to do as far as traditional living and cooking, I know that we're getting there via baby steps well. Isn't that encouraging? I hope you're encouraged by that, because not only did Vicki's words just lift me up and encourage me, um, because sometimes I wonder, <laughs> oh man, do people even really enjoy listening to me talk? Um, and then I get a message from Vicki or someone else that's saying that they're listening Well, just you know, going through life and that they're enjoying it and learning and being encouraged and that encourages me. The other thing that I really got out of Vicki's message was the fact that they're doing baby steps and that even though they're not doing everything they'd like to be doing, um, that they're enjoying what they are doing and they're making progress by baby steps. And that is something we all need to take to heart. There's such a thing called the 80-20 rule, right? If you're in business or it's in your life, and it's having to do with your to-do list. The 80-20 rule says focus um, 80% of your time on the 20% of things that make the most difference. Well, when you talk about traditional cooking, the 80-20 rule means 80% of the time you're doing the right things and 20% of the time you may be doing compromise or you know just not quite keeping up. And that is so okay because this is a continuum of making improvement and healing and making progress. None of us are capable of being perfect. If you looked at my life, you would see 20% where I could improve. But here's the thing. Um, we may look at our lives and and recognize, or someone else might point out the 20% that we're deficient or we're too tired to keep up or whatnot, but it is impossible to be firing at 100%, 100% of the time. So just accept that and do the 80% that you do, do it the best you can. Um, and be content and confident and happy in that. So thank you, Vicki, for the message. And um, I just want to make sure to spread that far and wide, that everybody can be encouraged by, um, you know, we're in this together and we're working on things and we're not perfect. And every day is a new chance to... Um, do a whole bunch of things right and then to let a couple things go because that's how we are we just can't be perfect um, so thanks again Vicki and so um, let's see on today's podcast it's number one three five and the last two podcasts one three three and one three four I've been sharing tips to save you time in your traditional food kitchen. and I'm going to continue that today with five more tips before I get to that though, I want to make sure and let you know something that's happening, um, which is I have started a live video broadcast each week to answer your questions. It's called Ask Warty. The hashtag is AskWarty. You can find it at AskWardy.tv. That's where I have all the replays. If you want to join me live, you need to get the Periscope app on your mobile device and you want to look for me and follow me, and my handle is at Trad Cook School. T-R-A-D Cook School. Um, If you don't have a mobile device, you go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool, and you can tune in. And here's when it is. It's every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and it's Ask Wardy. So that's what I'm doing, is I'm answering your questions. Um, I do a little bit of Q&A during the session, but really it's about um, people giving me their questions ahead of time. So um. So do that. If you have a burning question you would like me to answer, I'm going to be doing more answering of that over on Ask Warty rather than Know Your Food podcast. So send them over there. It doesn't mean I won't still do listener questions on the podcast, but um, the Ask Warty show is devoted to you know, once a week answering a question. So if you want to submit a question, it's Warty, W-A-R-D-E-E at AskWardy.tv, Or if you're on Twitter, you can tweet me, Tweet at Tread Cook School with your question and use the hashtag askWarty, A-S-K-W-A-R-D-E-E. And I'll put it in the queue. And um, I can't promise to answer every question. I do have more questions than I can take. Um, but some questions I've answered before. And so uh, instead of answering it again, I will point that person to a previous podcast or whatnot, or a previous blog article. So it just means that the queue, you know, get your questions in, fill up the queue because um, I did the first episode yesterday, it went wonderfully, and yesterday when I'm airing this podcast, so by the time you hear this podcast, it'll have been more than a week old, um, and I answered a question from Rebecca H., and it's actually, and, well, I shouldn't say that, so... It was a question from Rebecca H. Forget I was about to say something else. And um, so I answered her question because she submitted it first when I put out the call for questions. And um, she replied to, you know, my answer and said she felt spoiled that I answered her question. Well, that's the thing, guys. Submit your questions. I want to answer them. So if you have anything, sourdough, fermentation, cheese making, seasonal produce, whatever I mean I can't promise I know everything because I don't so I don't promise that but if I can help you I will so quick recap 10 a.m or 1 p.m pacific on Wednesdays if you want to be live and it's so fun to be live because you can leave comments and you can tap the screen and leave hearts which is kind of like digital applause and it's just this really fun and energetic um, platform and that's on the Periscope app. Follow me, my handle is at Cook School. Or if you're just on a browser, you'd go to Periscope.tv slash Cook School. If you want to check out the replay, all of the replays on the Traditional Cooking School blog within 24 hours. Um, and that is at askwarty.tv. Okay, everybody caught up with that? Um, and I hope you'll join me uh, for the very first episode of Ask Wardy. I think um, I wanna say the number was 170, but I didn't see all of the 170 at one time because people pop on and off. They're searching for broadcasts, and you know, if they're not interested in traditional cooking, they may have just come in like, what's sourdough? Hmm, let me see. And then I start talking about hooch and stuff and or kombucha, and they're like, This is weird. <laughs> and then they leave. But I think by the time we finished, there was about 50 people hanging on with me. And that was incredible uh, to visit with 50 of you um, just addressing questions about sourdough starter and bone broth. I mean, but that is the stuff that excites us, right? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna um, to quit rambling here and just have you come and visit me on AskWardy. AskWardy.tv has all the information. Hi, I'm Morty, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems like eczema and food allergies, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you, too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it, too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com free today. So now it's time to do our tips. So we have five more traditional cooking time-saving tips. The last two weeks, I think I've done four. Um, however, last week I was going to do four. I was going to do four. I did do four. Um, and it was just so short a podcast that so today I thought I, I better just do five and make sure I fill up a half hour or at least close because, you know, like Vicki, you may have a lot of dishes in the sink you want to get through right now while you're listening. All right, so I feel like I need to review what I said at the beginning of episode 133 just to get us on the same page, because we're talking about traditional cooking here. And traditional foods are whole foods that we use traditional methods to prepare. So we source the best quality ingredients, then we use traditional methods so that they're nutritious and digestible. We also don't shun some of the foods that um, today's nutritionists shun, like fat or meat products. Um, Because we know that if we source naturally raised animals like um, grass fed beef and pasture chickens, that they are so healthy, their fat is healthy, the animals healthy. And that's really life giving like the most nutrient dense food there is their fat and their protein is so important for us. So traditional cooking, traditional foods, that's what it is. And um, if you've been around a while with traditional cooking school, you know that we are all about spreading that message. And I want to help all of you get really proficient at those skills. And I know that for some, it was for me that way, looking at it for the first time many years ago, just thinking, it's really overwhelming. You know, you're, I, you want me to sprout <laughs> or sourdough every time I do that, it turns out flat or um, uh, soak. Why can't I just mix up my batter and bake it? What? Why do I have to start it yesterday? You know, you're asking me to do all these extra things. Well, what I realized when I dove in was it helped us so much with our health, and it wasn't harder, it, and it didn't really take m- more time because if you're cooking from scratch anyway, traditional cooking, you just shift around when you do things, um, and you're not spending more time. It doesn't mean, however, that... Um, well, two things I want to say about that in this kind of lead up to the tips. One is there's so many things in traditional cooking, and we do them seasonally, right? We're not doing all of them all at once. So we have to choose which, which, um, which activities, which skills, which methods, and am I going to employ now during the winter, And it might be different which ones you employ in the winter and the summer. It sure is for me. So we're not doing everything. We're not fermenting every possible food at every possible time. We're not making five kinds of fermented beverages. We're not doing like five kinds of cheese or five cultured dairy. I mean, we're just, we're keeping this cycle going and we're not doing everything. So we got to choose. And that in itself helps you balance the workload. The second thing really is, even so, even if you're choosy with which traditional cooking methods you're using at what time in your life or what season in your life, you can still benefit from time-saving tips because efficiencies can be um, put into place really anywhere in our life. And the kitchen is a big place where we're a little bit more strategic and efficient, um, we either will have more time for our family or we'll be able to fit in, you know, one more thing that would really be a key thing in our healing journey. So Do you want to save a little bit of time? I I do. So that's why we're spending these episodes where I'm sharing my traditional cooking time-saving tips. Some of them apply no matter what kind of cooking you're doing. Um, In fact, a lot of them do. But we're all healthy at-home cooks, so I want to review them. And what I'm trying to do as I share them is to give you examples of um, how they apply in a traditional kitchen. Okay, so that's the preamble, just setting the stage here for the point of um, these episodes. And now I want to get into the five more traditional cooking time-saving tips that I have for you today. So number one is um, use minimal tools. Here's the thing. You can spare yourself all kinds of dishes and, you know, mess and chaos by using less tools, not more. A couple examples of this would be if you're baking something, and then you um, you don't you have ten ingredients to measure. Well, you don't have to get out ten measuring cups slash spoons. You can double up on how you use them, and if you're actually smart about the order you're using them, and here's a secret: I know recipes tell you do things in certain orders, but unless it's like a souffle that has to puff perfectly and, you know, or the egg whites have to be beaten perfectly or, you know, unless it's a recipe that's highly susceptible to failure, you can switch things around and make it more convenient for you. Okay. So this really comes into play here in a recipe where you have all kinds of ingredients, some of them dry and some of them wet and you want to use minimal tools. Well, what choose a measuring utensil that's going to work for all the quantities or several of the quantities like if you have two-thirds cup of this quarter cup of this half cup of this one cup of this you can use a one cup measurer and if the ingredients are not like they have to be exactly precise then you can eyeball you know half of it or a quarter of it or two-thirds of it and use the one cup measure to measure all of those. The other thing you can do is measure the dry ones first and the wet ones second so that your dry ones are going to slip right out. Whereas if you put those in after you put the wet ingredients in, then your measuring utensil or cup is going to be coated with liquid and your dry ingredients are going to stick and kind of, you know, it'll be a mess. So it just is really fast and easy to use as few utensils, as few measuring utensils as you can and do the dry ingredients first and then the wet. Does that make sense? The point here is you're reusing your bowls, you're reusing reusing your measuring cups and your spoons, and if you use something that's just dry, um, please don't send the food safety police after me. I don't have a commercial kitchen, um, and my disclaimer is, you know, use your own judgment on this. I'm not telling you to do this. Uh, But if you use a measuring spoon to measure your salt, baking soda, baking powder, cinnamon, Wipe it with a towel and stick it back in the drawer, or tap it off on in the on the edge of the sink, and so most of the powders off of it, and then stick it back in the drawer. Those things are not going to spoil, and um, why why wash it? You don't need to wash that. Wipe it and put it away, or tap it and put it away. It's all going to save you time and be part of this minimal tools time saving tip. Um. And here's just a related handy tip to that, um, is if you have to measure oil and then you have to measure something, well, if you have to measure something oily and something sticky, do the oily first, then do the sticky, like honey, in the same measuring cup, and the oil is just going to have slightly lubricated the the, uh, sides. So then your sticky, like your honey or your maple syrup, is going to just slide right out. And there's no more scraping to get it all out of your measuring cup. It just slides right out. Great tip. I learned that one from I believe Vicki Lynn Haycroft from realfoodliving.com years ago. It's so simple, but it's just it's just almost fun to do every time because you're just like kind of laughing and proud of how efficient you are. Okay, number two is to simplify. Um, And this has to do with what you're preparing, like the foods you're preparing. Okay, if there are certain foods or tasks or preparations that meet duplicate dietary goals, maybe you could prepare one food instead of two and make your life easier. Um, And these are great foods because they pack a punch, right? So here's an example. Um, We all should eat fruits and vegetables because they have vitamins and minerals and enzymes. Uh well fermented foods if fermented fruits and vegetables um like kraut or chutney or pickles etc they provide our they can provide the 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 vegetable or fruit nutrients but they also provide our need for cultured foods so um i'm not saying to replace your fruits and vegetables entirely for, with fermented foods but i'm saying um like a really good sauerkraut can take the place of a salad and then you're getting, you know, if, you're, if your kraut has onions and carrots and cabbage and, you know, it's all spiced up and it's delicious. Um, it's not only a vegetable, but it's a cultured food. So you've just, you know, one meal. Occasionally, don't make a salad, half sauerkraut. And if it's a really busy day and that saves you 15 minutes in the kitchen, it's fantastic. So that's an example. Another example is if you're making cookies or muffins, um, you can create the batter as usual, but save the baking time or the, you know, the hands-on kind of end process time by turning them into bar cookies or a quick bread. And, you know, it'll shave five, ten minutes off. So we do that a lot. And I say five, ten minutes, but I'm looking at my notes that I put together a couple years ago from a webinar, and back then I said it can shave 15 minutes to a half hour. So I don't know if I was exaggerating then or if I'm underestimating now, but it certainly can save you time. All right, um, tip number three is to shop less often. How often are you shopping now? Do you shop once a week? Do you run to the store like every other day or every day? Whatever it is, cut it back. So get yourself organized. This will probably take a little bit of time investment, um, but get it organized and try to get it down to a um, maximum of once per week, maybe twice a month if you can do it. Avoiding the extra trips running out is going to save you time and keep you home more. It's also going to save you money because the fact is we fall into the you know, if you're out shopping, you can spend more money. And I know the best budgeters in the world don't. uh, But I would say most of us spend a little bit more when we're out. So if you plan and you shop the plan and you do it less often, you're going to save money, you're going to be save time, you're going to be home more often. And whatever that home means to you, Hopefully it's enjoyable. So it's more time with your family. It's more time with your books. It's more time to knit. It's more time to exercise, more time to sleep. Um, It's going to save you time. So that was tip number three. Kind of a quick one. Tip number four is batch cooking. If you ramp up your quantities, whatever you're making, ramp it up, it's going to save you all kinds of time. Um, And then what you do is you freeze or you set aside half of it to eat later. You want to do this based on your family's tolerance for repetitive meals. Okay, so if you make spaghetti and you double it, you don't really want your, and most families would probably rebel doing this on a regular basis. Like we're eating this for the fourth day, mom. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about freeze it and next week or next month. But whatever that kind of time cycle is, but how awesome is it if you double your batch and then next time you don't have to make it from scratch, you're pulling it out of the freezer, thawing it, simmering it, you know, just boil your noodles or your rice if you put the sauce over rice. Um, You can, if you do this back to back for a couple days or let's say a week, you could give yourself that same amount of time off. Like if you do it for a week and you double everything and you freeze it, the whole next week you don't have to cook. So you can plan that for very busy times. If you know that you know you're going to have a really busy sports season or school season or big family event that's just gonna you're going to be away from home, or somebody has scheduled surgery and you're going to be at the hospital or whatever a lot, and you do some batch cooking ahead of time, um, then you're not relying on eating out, convenience foods, poor choices, um, and you you're just reheating leftovers or you know popping casseroles in the oven for that time so you can really use this to your advantage I want to give you some examples one I did just um yesterday and today I tonight we're having chicken tacos and I last time we had chicken tacos I used up the last of the beans that I'd frozen ahead so yesterday I soaked our pinto beans and then last night I um put them in the crock pot with fresh water and I cooked them overnight. This morning I drained them and I put half of what I did in the fridge. So this evening I'm going to saute onions and mash up the beans and season it for refried beans with our tacos. But the other half I froze. And so, um, next week or whenever I need beans again, you know, chili or another round of tacos or whatever, I'm not sure yet, but I have beans cooked in the freezer and, I was cooking beans for our chicken tacos tonight anyway. I didn't, I, I doubt I spent an extra, I mean, all the extra time that I did was, you know, a couple seconds to add more water <laughs> to the pot and um, 10 or 15 seconds to measure two to three cups more beans out of the bucket. And we have beans in the freezer. When you're doing sauerkraut, you can do a gallon instead of a quart or a half gallon instead of a quart. Um, I already said about the whole double your dinner Um, and that allows you to freeze or set aside for another dinner. But what about if you double your dinner so that you have leftovers for lunch tomorrow? If you don't regularly have leftovers for lunch, increase what you're cooking at dinner and you have leftovers for lunch. And that kind of thing, um, I know every family's different, but Dinner and then leftovers for lunch is is different than having it for dinner two days in a row for most families in terms of the kind of variety that they will or won't tolerate, if you know what I mean. Um, When you're making bread, you can double or triple the batch, freeze what you don't need. If you're making muffins or cookies, you can double it and freeze the extra. If you're making, like, um, homemade breakfast sausages, you know, you either use the ground or you grind your meat, you mix it with seasonings and you might mix it with some fat if it's um, pretty lean. So do, you know, double or triple the amount you usually do, shape into logs or patties and put in the freezer. So then the next time you're doing breakfast for dinner or, you know, um, Sunday brunch coming home from church, or if you do, you know, a nice breakfast one day a week, like a Saturday morning, like a late Breakfast. Everybody sleeps in and has a good whatever you do. Then you've got those patties already ready or those logs already ready. So that was um, tip number four. Take advantage of batch cooking. It seriously doesn't take much more effort to just increase the volume of what you're already making, and you can give yourself an entire week off cooking, <laughs> at least dinners. So it depends on how how far your preparations go, but you can give yourself. You know significant time off cooking simply by doubling what you're doing anyway okay and tip number five um is e- an easy meal repertoire boy that was a big word <laughs> i planned it in my notes and i was thinking am i even going to say that without um tripping over it all right so here's the idea here is that if you know you have um and this can be regular or it can be a one-time thing, but if you know you have a busy weekend or a busy week, so the days before you make up a whole bunch of um, meal components that then during that busy time you can mix and match. So in an, an example from, you know, it was probably eight or ten years ago when we were doing a lot of property improvements and my husband worked outside the home so he was gone all week And then we had just tons of work to do on the weekends. So Saturday and even Sunday, sometimes we were all outside, like dragging sticks around, burning brush, chopping up stumps, uh, digging, laying water lines, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so I wanted to help too. Um, So on Friday, I would make up a whole bunch of different meal components. And for us at that time, that was assorted breads, like we would do sourdough tortillas or English muffins or could be grains like rice or quinoa, or I would do tortillas. I would also do refried beans like I was talking about. I would do like a couple chickens and pull the meat off the bones. I'd do ground beef. I would season those up, um, get them ready. I would, and by seasoning, I mean like onion, garlic, salt, pepper, you know, just your normal Seasonings. Um, I would chop veggies, I would shred cheese. And so then through the weekend, we would have an assortment of burritos, rice bowls, tacos, easy sandwiches, off all those ingredients. Because I prepped them all on Friday, and then the meals were very simple. And like I said, at that time, we were doing a lot of outside work. So often there was a fire going, like if we were burning brush or something. And so I would go in the house, and one of the girls would help me. And we'd assemble it. And then bring it out on trays, and we'd all just, you know, sit out there on the logs and the fire, and we're all sweaty and tired, but we're eating really good food and enjoying our place. And some of those are some of our best memories. Uh, So you can do that if you have work seasons, or if you have like, like I mentioned, some of those examples before. If your kids are in sports and they've got really uh, busy time, lots of tournaments or whatever, and you're You've got to make up stuff to last you for several days. Um, those kind of situations, it makes all the difference to have all those meal components in the fridge. And like I said, the beauty of this is um, it's not repetitive because you've got different choices of each type of food, like the different breads and grains, the different meat choices, the different toppings, and so you're com you've done double duty because all those meal components can be combined different ways. So nobody feels like it's repetitive because you have rice bowls, burritos, tacos, sandwiches, and there are probably other things you could do with it too. So you've never eaten the same thing twice, but here's another secret. (laughs) Everybody has eaten the same thing twice. (laughs) It's just been combined differently. That's the point. All right. So those are my five tips. Traditional cooking time-saving tips, minimal tools, simplify, shop less often, batch cooking, and have an easy meal repertoire that you can mix and match. I hope those were helpful. I'd love to hear from you at the comments. KnowYourFoodPodcast.com slash 135 with your tips for traditional cooking time-saving. Also remember, if you have questions, I'm going to be answering those on the live video show, Ask Wardy. That's every Wednesday at 1, sorry, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to uh, at Trad Cook School on the Periscope app or periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. If you can't make it live, that's fine. I'll have the replay up within 24 hours at askwardy.tv. Questions for that can be submitted on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskWardy and tweet your question to at TradCookSchool. If you're not on Twitter, that's fine. Email Wardy, W-A-R-D-E-E, at AskWardy.tv. God bless you all, and I'll talk to you again in another week. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.